Welcome to this podcast from Rolling Roads Baptist Church of Greensboro, North Carolina. You're invited to join with us as we are growing towards Christ. The following is a message from a recent Sunday morning worship service. This week's Bible study podcast is session three for the week of March 19th in Bible Studies for Life. And remember, we're continuing on with a section of lessons about good news is coming and what people what happened to people when they had encounters with Jesus and the main point of this week well the title is Jesus gave me grace and forgiveness and the main point is Jesus took my guilt and set me free so this they say the story is about forgiveness and so it's about John chapter 8, verses 2 through 12. And so I want to go ahead and read the whole passage, which I think will be helpful in the King James Version. So here we go. I'm going to read John chapter 8, or in the King James, of course, it is St. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read the whole thing, okay? <clears throat> Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So, when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted, by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself, and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Well, it's hard to imagine a more uh, amazing and moving passage of scripture than this one that we are all extremely fond of, I am sure. 
And of course, I don't want to miss the point about the whole thing, but I want to go ahead to my conclusion and then I'll try to go through some of what's in the quarterly. Uh, I really believe, and I didn't review this at all, but I really believe that I think and I have thought that this is more of an uh, incident that is teaching common grace. This is teaching God's grace towards all people and the opportunity that they have by his grace to go and obey the law. That is to repent of their law breaking. And so that's really what it's about. And it really shows how close all are to condemnation. Because you know, this woman was about to be stoned to death. And yet because of Jesus, she was able to live another day. So what would she do with that day that God had given her to live? She would go and sin no more. She would stop doing the destructive things, the self-destructive things that she had been doing, and which is to say exactly the same thing is that she must obey the law. She must go and do what Moses says, referred to by the Pharisees in verse 5, she needs to go and do what the law says. And what is the telltale lesson here? That the Pharisees themselves were not perfectly obeying the law. How do we know that? Because it says in verse 9 in the King James Version, and when they heard it, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience. They were convicted by their own conscience. They were not obeying the law perfectly either. They were not following the law of Moses, and they deserved to be punished apparently for some things too. And since they were good people, Jesus' question he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone, which I just paraphrased because I can't find the, there it is. He that is without sin among you, verse seven, let him cast, let him first cast a stone at her. You throw the first stone. The one who has is without sin, none of them were without sin and they all knew it. So what does this show us? This is supposed to show us what Jesus means, what the Holy Spirit-inspired text is supposed to teach us, which may be lost on some people with PhDs from Southern Baptist seminaries. What it's supposed to teach us is that we all need God's grace. We can't live just by the law, but with the law comes the knowledge of sin, as Romans teaches. See? So the point is the Pharisees learned the opposite lesson, but the same thing that the woman learned. She found God's grace through being accused of law-breaking, and the Pharisees see God's grace by accusing someone of law-breaking and not being aware 
of their own sins. So what does Jesus the Messiah do as he gives his life as a ransom for many? He convicts them of sin. He convicts people of their law-breaking, their guilt, so they realize they have a need for God's grace and forgiveness. This is not really, to me, about the woman repenting because she doesn't repent yet. I mean, we don't see any evidence that she repents and has come to salvation here. What we see is that she comes to a knowledge of the law that she can live again another day and has a chance to begin obeying the law. And the Pharisees also have a chance to live again and begin obeying the law. They need to do right because God's grace provides that. And Jesus does that because that's what he said to Nicodemus, that the Son of Man came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved, that people might be saved. And so that's the whole thing in the new covenant, that the new covenant fulfills the law. It's the goal of the law. It's the end of the law. And this is all done through Jesus, the final sacrifice, because if we have faith in him as the final sacrifice in his, the power and effectiveness and truth of his sacrifice, then we know for sure that we have been forgiven if we have repented. So anyway, so the the lesson begins as the person talks about um, someone that was really feeling guilty about the um, things that he had done in his life and he told him that he did deserve or that he was... uh, that the good news that I shared with this man is the same good news that is available to everyone that Jesus came to forgive and to give grace to all who trust in him. But again, um, that's true, but it's not the point of this passage. But anyway, um, going back to some of the things in the lesson, uh, verse 7, I don't, I'm not at verse 7, but anyway, the law of Moses, Deuteronomy twenty-two twenty-two, called for both guilty parties uh, in this situation to be killed, if you want to look that up. But in this instance, the Pharisees only brought the woman. And he says that uh, they were doing this to trap him, which is the same thing that the Bible says. Uh, you can read that very plainly there in verse 2. I mean, not verse 2, but in um, verse 6, that they were tempting him that they might have to accuse him. Or some translations, some translations add cause, have cause to accuse him or reason to accuse him, that Jesus would be breaking the law, in other words. So they were hoping that they could catch Jesus live on video breaking the law. But instead, they didn't realize that God had already caught them on video breaking the law earlier in their lives, beginning with the oldest down to the last one, just in the same way, probably, in the eyes of God, as this woman had been caught breaking the law. And I think it would be fun to look up the origin of being caught red-handed, which I forgot to do. But uh, the lessons on page 42 says, we'd all love to know what Jesus wrote on the ground. 
um, and many have speculated on that. I've often heard that Jesus was writing the sins of all those standing around watching. If this were the case, it would be easy to see why the men dropped their rocks and walk away. Dropped their rocks and walk away? I think that's a subject-verb grammatical error there. One of many, but anyway... Let me go on here. The scribes and Pharisees were a persistent bunch. They did not ask just once, but they continued to press Jesus for a response. When Jesus stood up and gave them a response, it was not the response they were expecting. Um, they were hoping for a gotcha moment, but they were the ones who were good. And then he goes on and talks about how he was in church trying to teach an initiative and then finally one person who opposed him stood up and blurted out I don't care what the scripture says we have never done it like this and that of course is an unwise attitude to have in church and the writer says as a result of his poorly phrased and ill-timed comment well, it was both poorly phrased and ill-timed hmm but he said it was his turn to speak. So I don't know why it would be ill-timed. That's confusing. But it says the church took an even deeper look into Scripture and decided to move forward with the plan that the preacher proposed. So when you're in church, don't say, I don't care what the Scripture says. That's, I guess, what we learned from that. Not sure how that's related to the lesson. But we share a common plight. We share a common outcome. Uh, I think he's talking here about how we are sinners, and but 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 how are we sinners? Why are we sinners? Because we break uh, the law of God. Because we cannot keep the uh, Ten Commandments perfectly, and so that's why we have sacrifices, and that's why Jesus was the final sacrifice. I thought Christians all were supposed to know that already. But anyway, Romans six twenty three. Uh, says it very well, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So sin leads to death. That's what was promised to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis, I think, chapter 3. And so then I'm skipping some other stuff. Uh, one of the amazing things that happens at the end, of course, is that her, her accusers are gone. And once again, why were they gone? Because they were convicted by their own conscience. Verse 9 went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst where they had put her in verse 3. Literally, that phrase, in the midst, on trial. She was on trial. And the Pharisees let Jesus be the judge. And look who got really put on trial. The people who wanted to put her on trial. They wanted to accuse her. Her accusers were gone. And on page 45, the lesson says, We have an accuser in our lives as well. His name is Satan. In Hebrew, the name Satan means accuser. And in the Greek, it means adversary. He is described as, quote, 
the accuser of our brothers and sisters. I learned that it's the accusers, accuser of the brethren. But anyway, this is a modern translation, I guess. Accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night, Revelation 12.10. The great news for us is that when we belong to Christ, we have an advocate who stands in our defense, Jesus. As we see in his dealing with this woman, Jesus did not come to accuse and condemn for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's what I just referred to earlier. Okay, so this same Messiah, this is the same Messiah who came to save you and me. We are given life through faith in Christ. Jesus offers us the same grace he gave to this woman. Neither do I condemn you. Um, so he does it through once again he does it through common grace to allow people to repent and then he does it through special grace as people actually do repent and then they receive eternal life so you see the common grace he gives to this woman in the story and to the pharisees this is not salvation because nobody's repenting here but he's giving them the opportunity to repent and he's, it's, I think I've been over it good enough already. So, uh, so Christians, however, when we do repent, we turn towards the Savior and away from sin. That is not go from now on and do not sin anymore. That's not repentance. That's the command that Moses gave in the old covenant. That's the 101 command, you know, thou shalt not kill. Hello, that's the Ten Commandments. That's not saving faith. So uh, it's a little confusing what I'm reading here in the lesson. <sighs> but anyway, the main point is Jesus took my guilt and set me free. So through grace, we are set free from the law of sin in our lives. And this is true, but this is just Romans 8, 1, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So my friends, what do I want to say in conclusion is that this John chapter 8 story of the woman taken in adultery and Jesus' treatment of her shows us that if he is this graceful towards her, one caught in sin, how much grace will he give to those who repent of their sin and who actually do go and sin no more? So with that, I would encourage you to go and sin no more. Repent and believe the gospel if you have not. And I hope this lesson is an encouragement to you. And Lord willing, I'll see you in person real soon. At the Rolling Thank Roads. you for listening. Baptist Rolling Roads Baptist Church is located at 2800 Van Story Street in Greensboro, North Carolina, near Four Seasons Town Center and Smith High School. You're invited to join with us this Sunday morning at 11 a.m. as we are Growing Towards Christ. Find us on Facebook and at rollingroads.org.